0: Okay, I thought I, I would speak about, because Rosh Hashanah is in a couple of weeks, right? Uh, Rosh Hashanah is only three, four weeks, actually less. Uh, so I thought I would just uh, talk about some of the very important ideas about Rosh Hashanah. I thought that would be very good. And so on, you know. Uh, Rosh Hashanah, um, I, I like to title this here, Rosh Hashanah is not what you think. Most people do not know what Rosh Hashanah is. It's interesting. And uh, if you ask somebody, well, what is Rosh Hashanah about? They will tell you it is a time of judgment. You see? And is that true? It's true. That's not really what the essential message or the essential feature of Rosh Hashanah is. You see? And because of that, a person has to know what is being judged. Why? So therefore, when you try to pray, intercede in the judgment process... You have to know exactly what to say what your line of argument is very important okay and so forth. now the reason why Hashanah is really problematic in terms of a day of judgment okay um how could there be a, a judgment day once a year could you imagine if the courts were only opened one day in new york city one day out of the year what would happen you'd have a repeat of charlottesville it would be a pandemonium So how can you have one day a year to be a judgment day? It doesn't make sense. Not only that, we know in the Gemara Rosh Hashanah it says, Adam nidem b'chol A man is judged, a person is judged every day. Not just Rosh Hashanah, which of course is obvious. So then what's the difference between Rosh Hashanah and every day of the year? You see. Also what's interesting is that every Jewish holiday corresponds to a Jewish event. Pesach to Egypt, Mitzies Mitzrayim, Shavuos, Mount Torah, Sukkot, whether it be the clouds or the, the, the huts and so on, and so on. You know, Yom Kippur, when Moshe Rabbeinu came down. Every holiday represents some type of Jewish event. What does Rosh Hashanah represent? Nothing Jewish happened in Rosh Hashanah. I mean, the only thing that happened on Rosh Hashanah is Adam Rishon, right? Adam Rishon was created on the first day of Tishrei, which is Rosh Hashanah. But, other nations are Jewish so then what's the Jewish connection to Rosh Hashanah that's what the question is you see are we gonna say that Rosh Hashanah is, is the only <coughs> example of, of a day that really has nothing is Rosh Hashanah a universal day because that's when the world was created uh, or is it something uniquely Jewish and we know that all the holidays that we celebrate or commemorate is y- uniquely Jewish So that's the question. What does that mean? Also, why is Yom Andin on Rosh Hashanah? Truth is, it's two different concepts. If there would be a judgment day, why does it have to be on the first day of Tishrei? It can be any day. What is the connection that a judgment day is on the first day uh, of the year or when the world was created? What is really the connection? It also says that everything is judged. The question is why? Uh, I can understand why man is judged because he has free will. So therefore he, if he does something bad, then he is culpable, he's guilty. But animals have no free will. Why are they judged? Why is the entire world judged? See, w- how could that be when they are not guilty of anything? So the question of course is, what does it mean that they're judged? Another question. <clears throat> Imagine a guy, he's being tried for life and death. A sentence, you know, if he's, he's being tried, right? You know? So, on, uh, the, so he's being tried, let's say, the next day. Let's say it's Tuesday, right? So you knock on his door Monday night, right? And the guy lets you in, and you find that he's got a whole festive meal going on. His family's there, all the best dishes are there. He's got all the best food and so on and so forth. So you say, well, wh- what is this? Well, so the guy says, wait a minute, what is this? Don't you know? You know, I'm being tried tomorrow if I live or die. What? Why would anybody be doing this? You think he'd be in a room, in a dark room, crying his eyes out. Or, you know, taking, uh, what he called uh, Prozac. You know, popping pills, Prozac and Valium and all that kind of stuff, right? What's he doing making a suudah on a day of judgment? is life and death. This makes no sense. You know, and does anybody think about life and death on Rosh Hashanah? Who thinks about it? You know, you're just thinking about well, the great food that you're going to go home to. You know, you're waiting till it's all over and then you go home and hey, Kiddush and eat a great meal. What does this have to do with the day? The what the person does in terms of the activity, the meal, the festive meal, is completely contradictory. To the entire meaning of the day, that makes sense. So, what's going on here? Uh, you know, will somebody tell me really what's going on here? Is it a day when a person judges life and death, or is it not that day? What is this? You see, <coughs> and what's interesting <coughs> is the is the the, the malachim said to the rebbeinu You know, why don't we say hallel? You know hey, if things are so great, we'll have a festive meal, why don't we say Hallel? Can like, you imagine this thing saying Halel on, on Rosh Hashanah? So the Baruch Hashim says to them, well, since the books of life and death are opened in front of me, which is judgment, can't say Hallel. Like, what's this discussion about? You know, uh, the Malachim know that the books of life and death are opened. Why would they even think about saying Halel? How could you say Halel when you're in the defendant's seat well there's a big prosecuting attorney trying to get you killed. Something just doesn't wash. Uh, another idea. Why is there a chauffeur? The military, we know that the main mitzvah of the day is the chauffeur. Why? What does a chauffeur do? You know? Because you blow a ram's horn, therefore that's supposed to make things better? what, is th- what does this have to do with a judgment day? You see. Uh, then it says that the Sultan is confused on that day, you know. So the question is, why is it confused? You think after 5,776 years, 77 years, he would have figured it out. I mean, the guy's got a big IQ, you know. You mean he hasn't figured out after 5,777 Rosh Hashanahs, what's going on here? Yet he's still confused. Don't sound like he's too smart, right? <coughs> and and so on. Also, why is a se'ir simaytshuva after Rosh Hashanah? Should be before, right? What's it doing after? It's after the judgment. You don't want this. You want a se'ir simaytshuva before the judgment, not after the judgment. So, the why do we have it after the judgment? That's the question. Okay, there's a lot of questions. Obviously, it does indicate that there's something we don't understand, what's going on. Therefore, we need to get a handle on Rosh Hashanah. What does it all mean, really? And I had once mentioned, (coughs) but I'll repeat it, (coughs) that there are three actions of God. (coughs) There are three things that God does. The totality of the acts of God can be Subsumed under three different categories. One is that there are a series of actions which create everything for man to be tested. That's called the Anodas It is Is the attribute of, of, of that God does the behavior of God, where He creates everything. It's a setup, the background. Okay, where a person can be inserted into that background, and he is now tested to see will he do what God wants or not. So that's Dan Hogger, the series of actions of Kiyom that brings about the possibility of the fulfillment of creation, which is that man is tested and brings a tikkun to the world. <coughs> you see, and the idea, of course, is that everything God does advances the process. Or the purpose of creation everything God does must have that in mind that it advances the process of creation if something is no longer needed then it disappears that's why animals are allowed to go extinct because apparently on, in the, under this Cheshbun under this uh, reckoning then their purpose is gone so therefore man is able to create an extinction in that animal if that was not the case then obviously they could not become extinct. Also, everything that is created, for instance, there are 300,000 species of beetles. Species, not beetles, much more beetles. That means there are 300,000 different looking bugs. And I just hope they're not in your backyard. You know? Why? You mean there couldn't be 299,999 species? You mean that one species of bug or beetle would have stopped the creation? And the answer is yes. Everything that exists must have a justification. And that justification is <coughs> that in some way they advance the purpose of creation. You see. <coughs> it's a very important idea. Ecosystem or outside the ecosystem? Everything. Within or outside the ecosystem. Now we don't know. We don't know most of these things. We don't know why there has to be 7,000 species of ants, you see. There are 30,000 species of orchids. Would you believe that? 30,000 different plants called an orchid. So it's astounding what the bunch of them did. Many things have thousands of species of that. Even mosquitoes, there are thousands of species of mosquitoes. And you're probably thinking they're all attacking you at night, <laughs> you know. <coughs> but we don't understand why does there have to be so many and I'm not even talking about how many mosquitoes there are. There are billions of mosquitoes. We don't know. But all of them is part of An Hokus It's all necessary for the creation to come to its intended purpose. (coughs) So that's the first series of actions. The second series of actions is God waits for man to see what he does. Will he listen to the dictates of God or not will he do the mitzvahs or not and God waits and the response of that is called judgment God then judges man and based on that he does one of two things either he rewards him not as a real reward because that's only in the future world he rewards him with greater opportunities to do more mitzvahs and that's really what it is if a guy all of a sudden does, you know, does mitzvahs and he finds himself in possession of a lot of money that simply means that he's been given more money to have greater opportunity and wealth in, in, in order to do the mitzvahs you see or God will punish him in terms of undoing the sins that he does so that's excuse me, that is the judgment of judgment the, the actions of judgment in which a person is rewarded or punished <coughs> remember the reward is always in the form of an opportunity not a real reward because you cannot get the real reward here the third series of actions is called Ha-Yichud. Uh, what does that mean because if you think about it technically since man has free will it is possible for all mankind to sin 24 7. And what that would do is not only make sure that he never gets the future world, but that he frustrates the will of God. That's what it means. So what the Bershom decided is that he, and did the question, did this ever happen? The answer is yes. By Mnoyach, God destroyed the world because mankind primarily sinned 24-7. So what the Bershom has is called Anagasi Yichud, which means that there's a series of actions that guarantees that the Tikkun the rectification of creation must be accomplished notwithstanding the fact that a man has free will you see that's called a backup device a contingency plan so therefore and that those series of actions which are part of this part of the actions which which uh, make which uh, ensures the, poss- the possibility that the creation will have a tikkun those actions are very mysterious we don't really know when they're activated or when they're not. <coughs> you see. <coughs> and uh, when it says, it refers really to those actions. The secrets are with God, and there's those actions that guarantee the fact that this creation will have a tikkum. So there you are. Three series of actions that God does, which I had once talked about before. What comes out of all of this is interesting if a person opens up a business yes let's say a guy opens up a business on january 2nd right one year what will he do the next year on january 2nd he will have what's called a periodic assessment any person who has a business always has to periodically assess is he making money or not does he have too much inventory right um, is his marketing division good? How about the accounting? What's happening? Am I making money or not? So there always has to be a periodic assessment, right, uh, to see if the business is working out or not. Now you can't do an assessment every day, because you've got to give what you inputted, implemented time to work. See so if it works. You see, but we do know that any what's called enterprise always has to have. A periodic assessment well think about that right and then based on that reassessment right you have a readjustment you see you need to readjust that which you've reassessed you see and you know it's maybe my, i have too much inventory you know i don't have enough advertising then you readjust based on the the assessment that you have made because the bottom line in a business is money profits That is the bottom line. And that you always have an eye on profits. It's when you don't, that's when you lose. Now think about that. What is the enterprise of God? What is his business? His business is called tikkun. Isn't it? That's his business. Uh, So therefore God always is looking at where does the tikkun stand? Where is it? Uh, The Jews are the ones who do the tikkun. Are the Jews doing the tikkun, or they're not doing the tikkun? Where's the balance of the kedusha? Remember, where is the holiness, or what's called the Kabbalah, the spots of holiness? Where are they? Uh, are they with the Jews, or are they with the sultan? What's happening here? So God is always concerned about, where is the balance of spirituality? Because that's his business. He wants to bring the redemption, the ge'ulah, Right, and therefore he always wants to know where is the balance of kedusha or holiness what are the Jews doing so therefore what God does he does the same thing he assesses not an individual he assesses the tikkun of the entire Bria where are we holding and the question then is what is your contribution to this tikkun you see so the problem is if you're not doing your job God may say well I'm going to change your place in the teken process you see it's not so much a punishment uh, what it's more is where am I going to put you to advance the purpose of creation which is the rectification that's what God does uh, you see so God may look at somebody and say you know you're wealthy you're not doing it You're not doing the mitzvahs that I thought you could do. So you know what I'm gonna do? I'm going to reassign you to a new spot. And guess what? That new spot means you gotta be poor. You see? So you are looked at in terms of the tikkun. More than you are looked at in terms of your sins. It's not an individual sin that God necessarily looks at you. Uh, What he really looks at is what is your contribution to the tikkun? Is it working or not? And if not, he's going to reassign you to a worse place. You know, if you're a VP, a vice president, you're not doing your job, guess what? He's going to send you to the uh, mail room as a clerk. And that's the last place you want to go, right? You don't to do that, right? He's going to diminish or demote you. Nobody wants that, you see. And therefore, that's what he has to do. Why is the emotion advancing Tikkun? Whatever the, well, God knows what the process is and where you need to fit to uh, assist the process. That's the Hanagasa Mishpat. Uh, Aha, Yechud. That's You're the Hanagasa Yechud, correct. What about Hanagasa Mishpat? It's, it's, it's all, in that sense, it's all the same. All I'm saying is that Rosh Hashanah is the assessment time of the Tikkun. That is the primary thing that goes on. Uh, God reassesses your position in that process. <clears throat> What's your contribution? Are you assisting, right? Or are you obstructing? And it's not just an individual. It's national. Well, the Jews are messing it up in Spain. So guess what? He's going to allow Isabel and Ferdinand, right, to kick the Jews out. Because clearly whatever was happening in Spain was not <coughs> assisting advanced in the purpose so it's not the individual Jew that was only judged it was the nation of Israel you see different countries or God may say you know I need the Jews to go into that country (coughs) because in that country they can do the tikkun better because that's based on the test so what does he do all of a sudden that nation becomes prosperous and they become super wealthy and the Jews move into that nation to benefit from the wealth You see, so a nation can change its economic status, or its military status, or its political, or whatever, in order to shift the Jews around, you see. Everything that is done is done for the sake of tikkun. And since the Jews are the only one that can do the tikkun, (coughs) everything that is done is for the sake of the Jews. But what I'm trying to tell you, it's not an individual basis of sin or mitzvahs. It's based on the tikkun itself which is a much greater assessment than an individual assessment. You see, that's what happens on Rosh Hashanah. You see. And therefore, uh, that answers many questions. Many questions. Okay. Is Rosh Hashanah, how could you have a yom I once a year? Am I asking you that? So first first of all, what is the essence of roshana Rosh right it's not so much judgment it's assessment based on the tikkun process you see and that's why it's not a contradiction in the gemara where it says a person is judged every year every day because every day he's judged in terms of how is he doing in whatever role god put him in Mitzvah and Averis Uh, but once a year he's judged in terms of the overall contribution to the entire Tikkun process you see that's the difference between the two judgments you see okay. what does Rosh Hashanah have to do with with a, a Jewish holiday what Jewish event and the answer is Rosh Hashanah is not a Jewish holiday it's an Israeli holiday now, before you get caught up in that, it's really a holiday. What is that supposed to mean? Uh, who was Oddam Rishon? Oddam was not Jewish because, in the beginning, <coughs> the Rabbin never intended to give the tikkun to the Jews. He wanted to give it to mankind. <coughs> Therefore, Adam Rishon wasn't a Ivri, a Hebrew, a Jew. Right? He was, an, he was a Yisrael. The concept of Yisrael means a person that can do the tikkun. He has an ishma that can do tikkun. That's Yisrael. You see, it's only because mankind sinned for two thousand years that Avram Avinu took over the job of tikkun, and the Rebbe Hashem took it away from the nations of the world. So therefore, the job, uh, therefore the Jews became the Israelis, Yisrael. You see, <coughs> so therefore, Adam was Yisrael, but not an Ivri or Yehudi. Therefore, but the essential job of a Jew is what? Is tikkun. So the essential job of a Jew is really Yisrael, not every. <coughs> I just took that Ivri became Yisrael. Or I should say Yisrael became Ivri. But until Avraham Avinu, Yisrael was just the nation of the world. It was Adam Rishman, you see. So therefore Rosh Hashanah <coughs> is the day that God created the concept of a Masakin, somebody who can rectify creation, that was a non-Jew, or rather a Yisrael, Israel, Israeli called Adam Rishon. So that's the day of the business, and therefore, right, that's why it's an Israeli holiday. (coughs) It has nothing to do with Judaism. It has everything to do with Tikkun. Judaism are Jews who took over the Tikkun process, and therefore the process of Tikkun now becomes Judaism. You see how it works? And since God started the business when? When Adam was created. When did God start the business of Tikkun? With the birth of Adam. When was the birth of Adam? On of Tishrei. Right? So therefore, the periodic assessment usually is an annual assessment. Right? You start it on one day. And a year later on that day, you have an assessment. So therefore, since the whole Tecum process started on when? <coughs> the birth of Adam Rishon, That's when he inaugurated the whole tikum. Therefore, of Tishrei, which is when Odom Rishim was created, right? That's when the assessment process is, and that is the, the assessment of the Tikkun process, and that's Rosh Hashanah. See, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, once you alter in much larger perspective of, of what's going on. So therefore, Rosh Hashanah is really an Israeli holiday, so to speak, because Yisrael is the essential concept of a Jew. It's just that the nation called Ivri or Hebrew took over that job and therefore we now celebrate Rosh Hashanah because we are the ones who do the Tikkun. You see? Very important concept. Why are animals judged and everything? And the answer is they're not judged because they're guilty of something. They're judged to determine where do they have to be for the Tikkun to happen. You see? For instance, locusts, which are really a grasshopper, that changes into a locust, and there are billions of them, and they come from Africa, and they f- they're they carried by the winds over the Mediterranean, and they land all of a sudden in Spain. And guess what? They eat up half the plant, you see? Uh, so therefore the locusts are judged. Where do they have to be uh, to allow the tikkun to take place? And if it means that a country has to be punished, so all of a sudden the wind picks up the locusts, that's part of the assessment, right? And picks them up and deposits them in another country, so they're not judged because of guilt, culpability of themselves. They're judged in terms of where do they have to be positioned in order to allow the Jews to do the tikkun. That's what they're judged, and that's all part of the what. That's all part of the assessment. <laughs> what we pay for was that? That's what we pay for Yeah, yeah, because that's really what it is. You want to judge the entire world, you see. However, here's the problem. Now, God did not have to tell anybody that he was doing this, did he? You know, a guy comes into a factory and he sits down and he goes over all the books. He sees what each guy is doing and then he hands out pink slips. You You don't have to tell him anything, right? But the Ba'ashim doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to all of a sudden assess. First of all, the assessment of God takes in a nanosecond, as the commissioner says, Peskira Achas. God just looks and inside of an instant of time, everything that was created is judged or rather assessed. Now, the Ba'ashim didn't have to tell anybody. He could have just done it and in a nanosecond it's all over. You see? But then he would have been sending out pink slips. You see but he doesn't want to do that to jews so what the branch did is a tremendous chesed he warned the jews that he's gonna he's going to assess the briya judge right (coughs) on rosh hashanah and he warns them you see and that's what the branch it's a chesed instead of doing it himself and then acting on what he decided he wants to warn the jews so that they can influence the verdict of where they are See, so Rosh amazingly so, is a tremendous chesed that God did for the Jews. You see. So He warns them, Rosh that in 30 days there's going to be a judgment. Right? So the Jew, Jew, Jews have 30 days to try to clean up their act. Now the judgment takes place. But the B'Rosh still wants them to do tshuva. Right? You know, every country has an appeals court. After the verdict, then you can appeal it, Right? Well, the Aserasimei tshuva is the appeals. You see? Because you have to have Because maybe all of a sudden, the guy was judged, and now he finally woke up. And he says, wait a minute, the judgment's over? Someone says, no. I'm going to allow appeal for 10 days. So it's appealed. You see? And in 10 days, you can do tshuva again, and reverse the judgment, the assessment. It's a tremendous act of chesed. Lest you think, well, Yom Kippur comes, I'm finished. No. Because what the Bansham does is he dismisses the sultan on Yom Kippur. You know, the sultan has three jobs. A Yitzhahara, a tempter. Prosecuting attorney, the sultan. And the is the angel of death, where he executes the judgment. Three jobs. Correct? Okay. <coughs> uh, so on Yom Kippur, Right. He dismisses the sotan from being a makatreg, a prosecuting attorney. That's why the gematly of HaSotan is 364, because one day in the year he cannot prosecute. So what the Shum does is he removes the sotan as a prosecutor in the Bezden on Yom Kippur. That means that any tshuva that is done, even if it's insincere, it's half-hearted or whatever, right, is accepted. If there would be a sultan on Yom Kippur, right, and he would hear this guy's tshuva, he would say, are you crazy? You want to accept this guy's tshuva? Right, he doesn't even mean it. Uh, You see, but since the sultan is not around, so therefore even any half-baked tshuva will be accepted. So look how far God goes to help the Jews. He warns them 30 days before, right, and then he judges them. Then he gives him 10 days of appeal. And on the last day of appeal, he throws out the prosecuting attorney. Look how much the wants a Jew to do tshuva. It's astounding, isn't it? <coughs> yes. However, there's a monumental problem here. What's the monumental problem? Because if the would've judged the Jews by himself and tell nobody, no problem. There would be no court. Because it's only be him, the Bershom, only in, in, <coughs> in and of himself, he does it, right? But now that the God said to the Jews, you got to do tshuva, and he announced to the whole Jewish people, that there's going to be a judgment, who is the one who now knows about it? The sultan. And all of a sudden becomes a whole court case, and the sultan is now there prosecuting. So what the Bershom did is by informing the Jews, on one side it's very good, but on the other side, because he informed the Jews, you now have a major Bezdin, a major court session with the sultan as the prosecuting attorney. And now the Jews are really finished. You see? Uh, so it's like thank you and no thank you. So in many ways what the Bersham did, right, is detrimental to the Jews. You see? So what does the Rosham do? So what he does is he introduces a mitzvah called Shoifer. And the shofar stops the sultan from prosecuting even on Rosh Hashanah. You see? So the Baruch Hashanah therefore gets away with it. He warns the Jews and he actually stops the, when the Jews blow shofar on Rosh Hashanah, he actually stops the sultan from prosecuting. And that's why the sultan is confounded. Course, he knows that the sho- shofar sounds, he will be out of a job. But he's hoping that the Jews don't blow shofar, you see. That's what he's hoping. What happens when the shofar is sounded? All of a sudden, what happens? The shofar is sounded, and the Boshum all of a sudden gets up from the Kisei Mishpat, from the judgment. He gets up. And he goes into his private chambers, Kisei rachman. And that's the place of An-Hogas You see, uh, he gets up from the place of judgment because the Jews blow shofar, and he goes into his private chambers. And over there he judges the Jews (coughs) or assesses the whole creation without it being a prosecution, without it being a judgment process. You see, that's what the shofar does. In fact, that's one of the first letters of the psukkim that we read by uh, before we were sure spells Karasatn. Exactly. You see. Kora Satan. So he doesn't throw him out, he goes out. He dismisses him. because he the, ju- the Satan or he just leaves the, ru- the court? Either way, the guy's out. Extrajudicial. Extrajudicial, yeah. Extra, no, they call it extra partial. What's it called? Of course. Extra. Something, yeah. <coughs> he ends the case. And the Sutton goes out of his mind. And the Sutton has to take valium. You see. Why? It could be perceived as a punishment. But it's a guarantee, remember. The are those actions which God takes to guarantee that the Jews will be in Ulim Habo. That's why in a certain sense it's but it's not good for us because the major element or the major instrument that it has is suffering. But at the same time, it guarantees that we will be in Oilm Habo. So the progression in terms of us is we spend a little shaping up. Yeah. And then comes the court case where we're against the Satan. Yeah. And, and he's there. It's still shaky. The yeah. We can appeal for even better. Yeah. So we're guaranteed haba, but the assessment of chuva makes it so that we perceive it as a better experience, so to speak. Uh, yeah, but uh, but the key idea is still to do chuva. That doesn't uh, end. True chuva. Yeah. But at least what it does, it, 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 any chuva is acceptable. Because once the Marshall gets up, uh, and he lo- goes into his private chambers and he judges the way he would have judged, remember, without the Sutton, right? So that in many ways Removes the court process, so you, and so therefore we're saved. So, in a, in a certain, in a certain respect, after chauffeur, in terms of prosecution, it's the same, <coughs> what the was same that in, in terms of 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 the prosecution after the chauffeur is the same environment as Yom Kippur in that respect. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, same thing. But he can't dismiss him the whole ten days, you see. So that's why it says in the Gemara, if, the Jew, if a city does not blow shofar, it's very bad news for that city, for that year. <coughs> you see, so therefore, uh, God has alerted and warned the Jews so they can at least shape up, right? And he also tremendously diminished and weakened the power of the Satan to prosecute us uh, during that time. So that is really what the shofar does. And that's why... The Shafa has sounds which resemble crying. Shvarim is a cry. Uh, it's different forms that a person cries a shever, a takiyah, a whale. A wail. Uh, shever is a, is a sigh, you know, and a true is a staccato whale. Why does it resemble crying? Yavava, it's called. And the answer is because the primary instrument that An Haggad uses is Yisurid. But we would rather have that, and therefore survive, and get Oilem Habo. You see, <clears throat> and so that's really what the shofar does. Where's yeah. the confusion? What's that? Where's what the confusion with it for the first That the Jews blew shofar. So he knows the Jews are going to blow shofar? No, they may not. There are many places that don't blow shofar. You know All Shafar is going to accomplish is He who is going.: He's going to leave, correct. He will leave that courtroom and go to another place, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but in any case, this is the concept of what Rosh Hashanah really is. It's a day of assessment, re- 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 readjustment. Uh, it, it's on the day that Odom was created, which is the first Israel. We took it over as Jews. God warns us, you see. That's why everything is judged. Uh, and the way He stops the uh, prosecution is by the Schaefer or by Yom Kippur, you know, but <coughs> m- m- mostly by Rosh Hashanah, it's by the Schaefer. <coughs> therefore, we're able to survive as a result of that, you see. I'm not sure if we theorized the question of why is Rosh Hashanah Simcha. You just mean to say that. Ah, yeah, good. And you remind of- me, yeah. Why is it a simcha? Because we're guaranteed to survive That's why Yeah, but we're guaranteed to Listen, you go to, you imagine if you know here's, here's, the, here's, the, uh, here's the metaphor, right? Okay, you're going to face a court tomorrow Life and death, right? Will they convict you of murder or not, right? But you know that uh, your guys just paid off the jury The mafia guys? Right? Either they paid them off or they threatened them, one or the other, right? So you know that the jury is going to uh, f- vote in your favor. Right? So you go into the court. Right? You're still nervous because it's, it, after all, it is a court case, you know? But since you know uh, that you will win, you're not as worried and anxious. See, that's what the malachim said. The malachim said to the Muslim, hey, if it's a setup already, so then why, why bother with the whole thing? Let them just say halal. Because they're all going to survive anyway. So Baruch says, true. However, since it is a judgment day, you know, and there is an unpleasant aspect of the whole concept of judgment, because maybe they do have to suffer. So you can't say Hallel. You have to be completely (coughs) joyous and so on. You see? So that's what the Havamina is. And that's why Rosh Hashanah, we don't even think, we're not worried so much. That's why we can sit and have a festive meal. Even though it's like I say, the the book of life and death is open. But we know <coughs> that the Moshim will save us with Anagasay <coughs> Yichud, you see, and that we will get uh, ultimately Ulema <laughs> Abba. And in the end, that's really what we want. You know, we want to be guaranteed eternal life, infinite bliss eternally. Let's face it. That's the real, you know, here, you know, ends pretty quickly. But over the years, it's eternal. So that's why we're not as worried about Rosh Hashanah as we should be. You see? You know? It's interesting that people just sit there in front of a whole meal and never ask themselves, what am I doing here? If the, de- if the book of life and death is open, what in the world is going on? It's like nobody thinks about it even. Yet that, that's, that's, <coughs> that should be the most astonishing aspect of Rosh Hashanah. And not only that, what do they call Rosh Hashanah? Don't they call it a Yom Tov? Right? Did you ever have them call a Yom Tov a good day? <laughs> when there's a court case of life and death? Wow. See? <clears throat> could there be a stirrer between Hanagas HaYichud and HaGas mishpat? The what? Could there be a stirrer between Hanagas HaYichud and HaGas mishpat For an individual? Yes, there could be, yeah. So which one will win on Rosh Hashanah? Mishpat. On Rosh Hashanah, Yichud, but in the end, Mishpat. In the great day of judgment, Mishpat will win. Everything must uh, equal out <coughs> on the great day, you see. You know? Why isn't... Uh... I did leave one thing out, which nobody seems to be asking me. How does Shorif work? Why isn't anybody asking me that? Okay, because it's not like you're pretty satisfied. And why is it so secret in the Torah? No. <coughs> and this, the answer to that is, what do we read on, on second day of The Akedah. Why? You know, okay, because of the merit of, what's his name, of uh, Avram and Akedah. That's true, you know. But is that the only reason? Or is there something greater? And the answer is much greater. Because you have to understand, <coughs> why Shufa works? Why is it if you blow a ram's horn does it work? Clearly then, there has to be a connection between the Akedah and the Shafer. What is it? So I'll tell you. The Akedah is a very strange event. Very. You see. Imagine Avraham Avinu sleeping. He gets up, you know, right before he goes to sleep, right? And God says to him, okay, here's what I want you to do. You see the guy in the next room? Yeah. That's Yitzchak, right? By the way, tomorrow morning I want you to slit his throat so Avraham Avinu must, <coughs> must, have taken, must have taken a double take he said, excuse me are we talking about the same person yeah Yitzchak in the next room tomorrow I want you to take him to Hamariah and slit his throat okay actually the motion didn't say that he said you got to bring him as a sacrifice uh, what went through Avraham Avinu's mind many things many things one what was the resistance right one, how can he do that? First of all, that's his son. Kill his son, whoever it's <coughs> like, something like that, you know. Number two, Yitzchok is an incredible tzaddik. To kill a tzaddik, not only that, Avram had chesed. How could a guy who's a tremendous kindness kill anybody? Least of all his son. Not only that, Yitzchok was the last, was the last Jew, right? Besides Rome, there's only one Jew left. That was Yitzchok. You kill him. It's over with. Uh, you see, there were many Nesirinists that Avram Avinu had. Many incredible oppositions to this commandment that he would have. But the greatest one that he had was this, because God said to him, Kib Yitzhak yikor through Yitzhak the Jewish people will survive and continue. Well we all know this, if Yitzhak is alive that's possible. If Yitzhak is dead, dead people don't have kids, right? So how's that possible? Uh, So what it was, is it was a command of God that was completely incompatible, logical, with a prophecy that he had. That was the greatest Nisunta of Ramavino. Because the other things didn't make sense. I I understand about. But this was illogical. You cannot have A and B existing at the same time. You cannot have A. (coughs) Here's the way it works. You cannot have A and not A existing at the same time. You cannot have A where Yitzchak will, will perpetuate the Jewish people, and not A where you kill them existing at the same time. That was the greatest insight. It was an illogical command. Uh, what does that mean? Therefore, God was presenting himself to Yitzchak as irrational. Irrational. Don't make sense. It's not that God was telling him to do something that was unknown. Uh, He was presenting himself irrationally. Hey, this is crazy. And Avraham Avinu had to overcome the Nisoyim of God's irrationality, where God makes absolutely no sense, nothing. It's not that I don't understand what he's doing. It's impossible that God should say this because it means he's irrational, you see. And Avraham Avinu said, Even though I do not understand how this could be, you see, I have to do it. I have to believe in God. uh, That even when God appears to me irrational, I have to do His will. And He took Yitzchak, went to Akedah. Now, was God irrational? Of course not. Because God never said kill him. He just said bring him up as an Eulah. Right? but you could take him down because go get somebody else, the malak stopped them. So in the end, God was not issuing an irrational <coughs> plea, correct? You see, because he never said kill him. But Avramavinu understood what anybody would understand. You offer him up as a sacrifice, you finish the job. You see, why did God do that? You see, why? Very important reason. Why would he do that to Avram Avinu? Uh, Because Rashi says, uh, the nations of the world say to answer in judgment what the nations of the world and the sultan Prosecute because they always say what do you want from these guys Israel? Why do you want them so much? Look what they're doing. They're sinning Why don't you just drop them and take us? Uh, so the B'mon says listen If Avroma Vino Will loves me so much that even when I appear to him irrational he still does it. How could I leave them? Uh, how can I abandon the Jews when they love me so much that even though I come across as irrational, not just unknown, they still won't give me up. So then how could I ever give them up? You see, that's what protects us. But why the Akeda? Because the Bansham, and why is the Akedah the last discernment? Because what the Bansham did is he made sure that Avram Avinu withstood the test of an irrational commandment which means he withstood the test of an irrational God so what the B'mon Hashem said because you withstood the test of me being irrational therefore when the Jews ask me to be irrational I will do it because is a complete steerer. You see, it's the rush of a toivloi, an evil man prospers, the tzaddik varaloi, the tzaddikim are suffering. The whole world is topsy-turvy. You see, that's really, that's, that's when you know Anagasayichud is activated. Uh, when the whole world is topsy-turvy and nothing makes sense, that is the Anagasayichud. You see, and that's irrational. It doesn't make sense what God is doing. You see, so what, uh, what the Rav did is, because Avraham Avinu, listen to God, even though he appeared irrational. In that merit, if the Jews ever ask me to, to become irrational, which <coughs> means to activate the I will do it. And what activates it? When did the Jews ask? The shofar, which is the Akedah, on Rosh Hashanah. So what we do when we blow shofar? what we're really saying is, God, please, go into your private chambers, judge us, assess us, Whatever you do, and even though what you're going to come out with is something which makes absolutely no sense, we are okay with that. We're okay with that because that will enable us us to survive. So that we're really asking him, begging him, go into the the <coughs> yichud from the mishpat. So that's really what happens. God gets up from the anhogesam mishpat, the seat of judge judgment, and goes into this private chamber uh, where his anhoges nisteres, his behavior is completely. Hidden. Not only is it hidden, uh, it makes no sense. It's a complete contradiction to what God said that he stands for, you see. So because of the Akedah and the merit of Avraham Avinu, we can ask God to do to us what he did to Avraham Avinu, which is the active rational. So therefore we blow the Shaifa, which is a symbol of the Akedah, right, the ram's horn, and that activates even to the extent that it's completely irrational and therefore we're saved. That's how Schaeffer works. You see? Because of our Roma, Venus, he gave us the ability to request God behaving to us in a completely irrational way. I'm going to tell you something, one thing, you know? You think of the Holocaust and what the, the Germans and Hitler did, right? You imagine imagine just put yourself in a place you're in a cattle car that can fit 70 people 300 people in that cattle car you can't move and you're in that cattle car for days yes what goes through somebody's mind is this rational how does God do this to his own children you see how you should know the irrationality of the Holocaust is beyond belief It's not that they were only killed. Jews have always been killed. You know? Uh, But it's the manner of their death. They were burned. Their skins are lampshades. Their fats are soap. Right? And the rest of them are fertilizer. I mean, what is this? What manner of death is this? You see? That is irrational. You want to kill a guy, you kill a guy, finish him off. (coughs) <coughs> this wasn't death. This was death beyond imagination. How does a nation do that to a human being? And how does the Muslim allow that to his children? Right? That's completely irrational. You know, you, 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 know, you have to think about what they thought about in that in that cattle car. And you know, I'm sure that this went through their minds, You know, they were, hopefully there were I mean there were people who said Alpha became. You know. This is what God wants. It has to be Gamzulu Toivo, <coughs> But Gamzulu Tovah it is. But still, it is such an op- opposite. What it means is that, what it meant is that, instead of God loving the Jews, the only explanation that one can come logically is that God hates his children. Hates them. Because what father would ever subject his children to such a death? <coughs> death is one thing. <coughs> this is not death. This is cruelty and torture to the highest level that does not befit a human, and God is allowing it to be done to His kids. That He says, "Vahavchak <coughs> Hashem You see, that is irrationality to the highest order. Yet the Jews want that. That's what we request on Rosh Hashanah. Behave to us in a completely irrational manner. <coughs> and that way we will survive you see and that is the merit of, our, of Roma Vino. and that's why we read the al that's why we blow Shofar you see and um, that is why that saves us so when you are praying to God on Rosh Hashanah <coughs> it's not just so much that you're praying in terms of the individual sins you did you see you need to be misspelled that Please don't change my position in terms of the tikkun. Keep me going, at least, or improve my lot, you know, in terms of the tikkun. Sickness and bankruptcy and divorce, illness and death and all this kind of stuff, you know. Please se- save me so But the key tshuva that a person has to remember is not so much that this and that. The key is that you need to become more spiritual you need to think about ruchni as more, that that has to direct your life and not gashmias, materialism, and power and pleasure. That's the key tshuva. And if you do that, no, there's no question that you will be in Ulem Haba. Maybe a rough ride, true, because you gotta undo a lot of the stuff, but you will get there in, in, in the end and Ulem Haba is a place that we cannot even begin to imagine. Like Chazal say, a Yoim shekulo tov. You know, because we live in a time that some days good, ninety days are terrible, and two days are not bad, <laughs> right? Ah, but Khazal say yom shekulo that all the days will be incredible. It's funny they're not even say that the when you do experience the Toyev it will be mind-boggling. No, because the real thing we want is that you know let it be all good every day, all the time it should be good. This should never be a time of bad and evil. Okay? So that's really what you have to think on t- in, terms, in terms of doing tshuva. Okay? I think I've answered the questions of Rosh Hashanah. I think you have a good handle on what it's all about. And uh, let's hope that this Rosh Hashanah, Tav is what? T'yeh Nas Eis, Chidush. This is the time of renewal. And because of that, it will be Eis haste. Because once the Rosh Hashem decides to say, that's it, then all of a sudden it's going to go so fast, your head's going to spin. Remember the Jews left with haste? That's what happens when the gula starts. So let's hope Eis Chidush and Eis That'll be in tremendous speed and acceleration and haste. And that will happen this Elul and this Rosh Hashanah, Amen.